And you know the drill around here. It's getting close to taking a little summer break. We're talking to you about having white space on your summer calendar. For those of you who are privileged to be stay-at-home mothers and your children are home and the calendar is free from getting up and heading to school every morning, I hope you're taking advantage of white space. And I'm taking advantage. It has been my historical lifestyle to take the summer with mothers because I've so loved spending most of my adult life with young mothers to take some white space. And in getting ready for my white spice, I found a file folder a few weeks ago. I'm guessing it's four inches deep. And its title is Staying in a Leaving Culture. In the last few days, I've been thinking about how important that concept was to me, how I came to it, what I've done with it. And so today, with just three broadcasts left until September, I want to just stop and pick little pieces out of this concept of staying in a leading culture. And as always, I bore you a little with history. But it was in 1987, very long time ago, when six young women came to me and said, would you mentor us? And I said promptly, no, like faster than you could have had a breath. And they were disappointed, but they didn't quit. And a year later, by that time, I had heard God saying to me, Donna Otto, of all the years of your life and the women, scores and scores of older women who just dumped ideas into my life, who took care of me, who watched over me, who gave me advice, who kept quiet when I needed quiet and talk, talked at me when I needed talking. And now you're not going to say yes to these women? And then he drew me to Titus Passage, which I've met many times here, and we were off. We, were, we began that year, just the six of us, and every year following for 15 or 20 years, the crowds grew. And in that time, I began to talk a lot about staying. Why stay home? That was the absolute ingredient to a book I wrote called The Stay-at-Home Mom, a book that was titled The Stay-at-Home Mom, when in the 80s, the culture was saying everybody should be working the stay-at-home mom, and then the idea of staying in marriage. All the lessons I've taught about marriage are just founded and based on closing your exits. You said yes, stay. Your exits are closed, figure it out. Divorce has done terrible things to our culture and our economy and to our children. So the staying word has been very important to me personally and important to my work. 
when I added to the things that I was doing and gave up mentoring and began in a practice called spiritual direction, people would ask me, well, what is that practice about? What, what do you do in that practice? And I often say every spiritual director has a different theme, a different emphasis. And my emphasis is that I'm a staying practice. If you want to come and meet with me, I'll welcome you. But I don't want to meet with you twice and never see you again. I'm a staying woman, and I can see the difference in the last 10 years of the women who I've been meeting with for 10 years and the history I have with their history. It is a profoundly important and, I believe, godly place in our culture. So... I don't know. I'm just looking at this big fat file, and today I'm just going to tell you a few things about this big fat file. Like, I think we are a culture of leaving. I do, just generally speaking. With none of my research before me, I would just say to you, we leave jobs. I heard this from a business human resource director a large company, he said, you know, we used to look at a resume of someone who was applying for any position in our company. And one of the things we looked at was how many jobs they had had, how long they had stayed in their positions. And was there a migration? Like one job, the next one was a higher level of work and, and so forth. He said, we don't look for that at all anymore. As a matter of fact, we don't actually consider how long you've stayed at a job a, a benefit. If you've had a lot of jobs and diverse and you're continuing, to, that's a good thing. I thought, how interesting. I'm old enough to remember that men retired after 50 years in one job and they got a gold watch. <laughs> Hardly our culture. But we don't just leave jobs. We leave homes and locations. I will never forget the first woman who I ever knew who came to me and said she was leaving her husband and her children. I had heard many women who were leaving their husbands, and, and, and some of them really needed to leave situations that were physical and sexually not what they should be. But this woman was leaving them all. Uh, we've heard many more stories of women who've walked away and left their families and their children. So it's a leaving culture. We move, we change jobs, we change relationships, we change churches. We do a lot of moving. We're on the run. I think there is a, a theology to staying. Uh, that's probably the only thing I'm going to say about it. Uh, and I find it in John 17, where Jesus says, abide. I'll never forget the first time I read John 17, I went, ooh, how do I get out of this quagmire? If you're in the vine, and I'm in the vine, and you're in the fruit, and you're in the vine, and, I'm the, and I just kept reading over and over, abide, 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 abide. It was many years later when I read that again and saw that the word abide was stay. If you stay in me and I stay in you, the fruit you produce is fruit of that staying. So staying, there is a theology of staying. Um, I, I remember reading an African proverb which touched me greatly, and it goes like this, going a short way, go alone. Going a long way, go with someone. And new research tells us um, in our uh, area of social sciences that the number of lifelong relationships which for decades, 
decades have been somewhere between five and eight, nine even, deep, abiding, staying relationships. That number had decreased in the last 25 years to three and is moving its way down. Reclaiming community, reclaiming uh, relationships, Life in the digital age is very different, and we all hear it, we all talk about it. We say it was COVID and the digital age, and I feel isolated and I feel alone, but I think there's a lot more to it. I think there's a lot more to it. I I had the privilege just this week of talking to my oldest friend. Now, she is old. <laughs> Because she's my age, actually, so we are old. But the reality is that I have known Susan Larson since the second grade. That's a very long time ago. The second grade. And when I see her name on my screen, when I see an email from her, when I get cards from her and little gifts, I open them with relish. She is my friend and has been in my community, has walked the hardest places with me and the best places with me, and she feels toward me just as I feel toward her. She's a treasured friend. She is the friend who I would call and say, come on, let's go somewhere together. We see each other as often as possible, even though we live in different locations in our country. So reclaiming friendships and community is a very important part of this staying concept, staying in a leaving culture. I also think that this notion of, I know that psychiatry, psychology, counseling world talks a lot about addictions, addictive behaviors. Uh, the, oh, I'm not going to say the name the agency correctly, but they are an agency that governs the kind of uh, terminology that we give to medical and mental disorders. And I, in the last five years, I reread the list and was stunned by the names, the words, the concepts that are on the addiction list. I, I, I don't think of them as addictions. I, I can see where you get a little too much TV or a little too many screens, but the things that we are addicted to in our culture that this agency is willing to call addiction is very wide very wide and very broad. And I think we have stayed away, mostly in our culture, but even in the church, from the word that God used, and that was idol. He said it in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other idols above me. Like, God should always be first. It doesn't matter. Not your wife, not your children, not your home, not your job, not your finances, not your travel, not your... Oh, my gosh, you could go on and on and on. And they are important things, and we can have them all. And we can enjoy them all. But this addiction in our culture, in the modern-day culture, the modern-day form of idolatry to use a word, a theological word, not as common in our conversation, but it does mean that I have put something else 
uh, above God and above his way of life. And I think that's something I'd love to explore. Uh, what does it look like today? And, and why do I get into it? Why do I allow myself? I have to, I'm sorry, I really can't even think of the name of the show. Uh, maybe I don't want to think of the name of the show because then it would cast aspersions on the show. But, you know, when we were all at home in COVID, we were watching a lot more television and they were putting out a lot more TV series, weren't they? And we were all talking to each other. Oh, did you see this series? What about that series? So my husband and I started a series and it was quite beautiful. And of course, there was a boy, a girl, romance and, you know, all that goes with that kind of but at some point, I looked at David and I said, this is awful. I mean, it, in, the, in every 45-minute segment, you got two further advancements to the plot line, if that many. And then they were all sorted and, and uh, not, not healthy. No, not, not just not godly, but not healthy. And I remember saying, I don't want to watch any more of that. And he said, you know what? I don't want to watch it either. It, it kind of left a pall in us. And I think, well, how do you become addicted to anything? I think you let that little pall just stay. And it's okay. It'll be okay. And that'll be okay. And then I was thinking about these two words. I, you know how I love words. Expectation versus preparation expectation. Oh, if you're like I am, you've been all around the barn in understanding yourself, the real you, the true you, the false you, the you that wants to be the center of the world and the you that doesn't want to be the center of the world. And I think the idea of expectations, that we fall into the trap of setting our expectations so high with so many people in so many places that we're always defeated. We're always defeated. And I think I'd like to explore some of that too. And how do I prepare myself in life? You know, I love the word preparation. The key word to organization is preparation. And I think to have an orderly life, a life that validates staying, it's a very important thing to understand how expectations can get us into a place of, of a false way of living. I also think that I love to explore a little more and the ideas of spiritual practices. You've heard me talk about spiritual practices throughout the years. I am a proponent of them. I don't believe you need to have all the spiritual practices that have ever been talked about since Jesus left the earth, but I think there are more than the spiritual practices of reading your Bible, praying, and going to church. I think those are spiritual practices that are important, and they add a lot to our following of Christ, but they're not all of them, and there are different times in your life when you need different spiritual practices. And I always recommend to you my dear friend Adele Calhoun's book. Um, I think sometimes what happens to me is I get in what I call the messy middle. I don't know where I am and I don't know what I really need. And it's at that time when I'm in that messy middle. I'd like to talk a little more about the messy middles of life as well. Let's see, what else is there? Oh, I think I'll end today by talking about um, what is a happy ending? What does is, what is a happy ending look like? What is staying and a leaving culture really mean 
<laughs> I guess I'd like to say, what does happy mean? We all know where the happiest place on earth is. <laughs> um, Disney himself called it the happiest place on earth. And I can still remember on a clear day of October 28th, my five-year-old grandson and his parents and his grandparents taking him to the happiest place on earth. And at five years old, if I could conjure a picture of that little boy with his head up and his eyes big, and because we had a friend who was a part of the parade and knew we were coming, they sang happy birthday to Samuel on the parade at Disneyland. I mean, happy? Oh, he could hardly stand himself all day. I don't think he asked for anything. He was just mesmerized by everything. Well, we know that that's a lovely thing. But the happiest place is much different when it comes to being in line with God. I'm drawn to the word stay and the notion of staying in our stillness. When I talk to women who say, I want more of God, I want more of a relationship, I don't want to just read five verses of my Bible every day and go away and not have him be present all day. Well, what are some things? I always talk about silence and solitude. And I think the practice of staying in the stillness. It takes me, depending on when I go to sit with the Lord, it takes me time to do that. If I told you that I can still remember the first time I vowed I was going to stay silent with the Lord for one hour, <laughs> I laugh out loud. I, I, it was horrible. It was the most horrific. Uh, I, I'm sure God was looking down smiling and grateful for my attempt. But I wiggled and wormed and got a drink and went to the bathroom and had set the timer and couldn't wait for the timer to go off. Tick, 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 tick. It was one of those wind-up timers in those days. Our culture. Our culture not only offers us leaving, it offers busyness. No sitting still. No silence. No solitude. Bing, 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 bing. We moved into our new home. I counted in the course of one day, just because I was aware of it, how many bings there were on every piece of appliance, the refrigerator, the freezer, the dishwasher, the stove, everything binged, and it all had a different bing. Not to mention your ring doorbell that bings when someone walks by and your telephone that rings when there's a text and your telephone that rings when there's actually a telephone call. We're a very noisy culture. It's hard to find a place for silence. But being still and staying still is something that I think will make a difference in our culture. And we have to do that individually. So thank you. As I begin my quiet days of summer, I have two more podcasts, which I'm looking forward to, um, especially the Summer Challenge, which I always do every year. But we will return in September. In this summer, I pray that you will pause and ask yourself, are you a part 
of a staying paradigm, a staying life, a staying marriage, a staying church relationship, staying in friendships, or have you allowed the culture, which is a leaving culture, to come in and take some of your staying spaces? I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. Remember that we have all sorts of things on our dancing and singing website. Please sign up for what amounts to three or four um, emails a year with information that we don't give here in the podcast. You can do that on the website as well. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. And God make it a very uncommon day of staying in a leaving culture.